Hey, Deserving Listeners, we have a very special guest on the show to talk about sexuality. Why don't you introduce yourself, Victoria? Hi, guys. My name is Victoria, and I am really excited to uh, start this discussion and uh, explore a lot of different topics. Nothing's uh, off limits. So, Where can people find you online if they want to find you? Well, you know, I am actually... A bit of an enigma online right now. Um, what I do is work with people privately. I don't take on a lot of clients and I don't promote it widely online, interestingly enough, um, because I work more with people like person to person. In a virtual sense, I've been camming online for an, uh, a while. Um, and so people uh, are able to find me there. Um, and that name is uh, Slutty Panties, which is quite a name. Um, but uh, again, I'm not active on there right now, but that is where I fed through most of my clients and met them. Great. Well, what would you like to share with the audience that you think they might benefit from learning about? Well, the majority of people that I've been speaking with and been dealing with have a lot of shame when it comes to sexuality. I find that most people are going through this whole inner turmoil all on their own and they think that nobody else out there has anything similar going on or likes anything that they might like. And I find that a lot of the couple breakdowns that happen are a result of people having these secrets that they really can't share with anybody else. And um, what I try and impart is that you don't need to be scared. You can just talk about things openly. There are uncomfortable moments. That's going to be part of being an adult and being in a really open sexual relationship. But in coming with those uncomfortable parts is a really freeing ability to, to be open with a partner. And so, but you have to do that from the beginning and you have to do that in a very strategic way because both people are very vulnerable at the very beginning. And mo what I found uh, is that most people put up a wall in the, at the very beginning of a relationship. They're not willing to be open and who would blame them? I mean, it's really, really scary sometimes to talk about the kinks that you're into or this thing that you've looked up before, but you, I don't know, you know, you don't want anybody to know that. So, when is the right time to bring that up? And when is, you know, when is that okay? Well, those are all questions that I sort of have a, a formula for. So what I try and help people with is at the very beginning of a relationship, it's not about telling everything. It's about being honest. And so that can include saying, you know, I'm really not comfortable discussing that right now. There is something in that box that you've asked me about, but I'm not there yet. Now that's being honest, that's not a lie. And that can be then put on the shelf. Literally, sometimes I have people write it down and say, okay, we're gonna take that up at a later date. But right now, um, you know, that was an honest way of saying that. And the same thing goes into these sexual situations. So I, most women, like this is the tagline I give for guys. If you want a girl to do whatever you want and be the most sort of sexy, sultry girl in the whole entire world, you need to make her understand that there is nothing she could do, not a single thing that will change your mind about how much you respect her and how well you treat her, basically. So the second that she understands that it doesn't matter what she says, how slutty she acts, what she says to you that she wants to do, it immediately makes it so that she knows she's, she's 
okay doing that. Now that's very rare. A lot of guys have never had that because what that entails is a lot of vulnerability on the edge, on the outside of a guy too. Right. And so, like I said, it starts at the beginning that can't happen down the road. If people have been keeping secrets from the bit, from the get go, because all of those will tumble. And so it's very um, difficult to do, but basically it's just a starting off point of honesty in a relationship and, and communication. And so when people are talking about their kinks to me and they're like freaked out about, oh my gosh, nobody else likes this. And I'm like, well, first of all, you found it on the internet, so somebody else likes it. And then secondly, you, you might be afraid that somebody, what might somebody might think, but you have to be able to be open with that person. Otherwise, what are you doing in a relationship with them? That is actually what relationships are built on. Honesty at that level, sexual level, is really, really deep, right? Like, you have to be able to be very vulnerable and upfront. But when you do that, you open these doors to things to explore things together and not feel guilty about it, not have to cheat on other people, not have to do those things to get thrills. Like some people like a thrilling, you know, thing in their lives and you don't have to make it so that it's a bad thrill all the time. You can actually, you know, with your partner engage in fun, thrilling things that still, you know, are thrilling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the work that I do in this area with clients I find that their quote unquote kinks are actually pretty common or or even just things that are a little nuanced, you know, like instead of the sexual encounter being very classic in the sense of the typical things that happen, they are looking for time being caressed and just fawned over for 10 minutes or something or or listened to or just held for five minutes and people are afraid to ask for those things, even though many people are likely to be okay with it because of all the sexual negativity, sex negativity in our culture and shaming that happens. Well, so exactly what you said there is a lot of the time people just want communication and cuddling and that caressing and caring. And the beauty that I found in BDSM culture is that that's a mandatory part. So when you have a kink experience, you have to have aftercare. That's part of the prescription. And so if you're doing it right with the right person, you don't even have to worry about that part happening at the end because you know that's part of what's going to happen. And so once you're okay and you understand that, you can really let go in the actual sexual situation and know at the end, wow, you know, and for some couples it's, oh, I got a five-minute massage, you know, I lay down on the bed and we just calmed down. I had a nice massage for other couples. It's, oh, we had a lovely cup of tea together after. And we talked about what happened and it was really fun. Um, you know, for other couples, it's running a bath and, you know, doing something like that. Um, it's not always the guy to the girl. Sometimes it's the other way around. Obviously in same sex couples, the same thing has to happen. In regular sexual interactions, most couples don't even do that. They they finish, they roll over, usually one person's satisfied and one person's not, and then they're done. Well, in BDSM sort of situations, like I said, the beginning isn't very comfortable because you have to discuss all of this. You have to say what you're comfortable with, what your thoughts and plans are for this experience and how you expect it to go, what you what are your off limits, what's a 
a no word or something that's going to say, eh. And then you also need to um, talk about what happens at the end. How do you want it to end? When should it end? And what, what would signal that? And so I was married for a long time in a relationship that had horrible sex. It was very, very... Um, by the book, I guess you would say. Um, I didn't. I grew up thinking sex was something that women didn't like to do, and men chased. And that if you did like to do it, that was not very good. That was a you were a bad person if you like to do have sex. And so I grew up very um, like conscious because I had the internet that I was like, I like this stuff. Why is it that, you know, I feel so terribly bad about all this stuff. Then I got married and the man I was with, a great man, but not confident in himself sexually and therefore not confident to impart sexual confidence to me. And so I, our marriage was, was not good. I remember there were situations where I would be masturbating and he'd walk in and go, oh, ew, what are you doing? And that just like reinforced, oh God, this is bad. I shouldn't be doing that. My husband even thinks that's bad. And um, after I had separated from him and been in a few different kinds of relationships, um, I met somebody who really explained to me about how, uh, basically he just, it was all about communication. So there was, it was very open about how, okay, if you want this to happen, this can happen. And, um, I was shamed, very ashamed at the very, it was so hard for me to accept that. And part of the BDSM was that somebody was forcing me to do it. Right. So somebody was saying, no, I'm tying you up or whatever. But the reality in all of those situations was I could always leave. I could always call it. I could always say like, and that is the true gift between submission and dominance is that even though people look at it and say, Oh, Dom, you know, people that are dominant to other people, that's those poor women or whatever. It's like those, those grateful men who, or people that are in that position, because it's such a gift of submission because it's always your choice. And that means that you have to do that internal battle and fight yourself. That's actually why I like doing it because it's very difficult personally to overcome my natural instincts to not listen to somebody and not do what I'm told all the time. And so it's not only a battle of, you know, between say me and somebody else, but it's a, an internal battle for me to be able to let go. And when I have and gone to this beautiful place of submission and been able to really experience that and then come out and been totally cared for and then and the proof is in the pudding. So even if I acted slutty, even if I said crazy things, it didn't change. You know, we still, he still loved me. He still gave me that support. And that grew this ability for me to say, oh, wow, like those things aren't bad. I'm an adult. You're an adult. We are making adult decisions about adult things and we talk about them. And, and there's been times where, hey, we need to stop for a second. I feel uncomfortable with this. I don't know why. And there's, there's a rule he explained, he goes, there's not, you're not allowed to be mad at somebody for stopping. Like that's never allowed. So even if the other person's all into it, no stopping, that's, that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. And people think that's such a drastic kink relationship. But if you take the, the, the bare bones of what that, how you make those interactions safe, you can actually 
get to look at just regular sexual interactions, right? Mm -hmm. So, and for men, it's the same thing. They, they have to be vulnerable. I love getting couples to look at porn together. I'm more about reading porn personally than watching porn. I think it exercises your brain a lot better. It's not as image focused in the sense that you're going to make the image. Um, and also, you know, you can read a, a story as a couple together, or you can sort of send little bits back and forth at work and really um, have fun with that. So, but porn in itself is a really private thing. Most people um, don't like to share about porn. So I always like to talk to guys about how, hey, you know how you can Boolean search on your on porn, you know, to get rid of the stuff you don't like, um, like Boolean searching from the library. So when you go, you know, minus um, anal, if you don't like anal. So when you're searching for something and it'll pull out all the anal um, <laughs> anal results, right? So you can actually really narrow down and get, and they're like, oh, wow. You know, and I say, and the thing about porn for women is that it's, it's generally not an accurate representation of what most women want or what they actually experience during sex. And so if you get a woman to be open about what kind of porn she wants, you're going to actually get a pretty good look at what she's interested in and what she might be, you know, wanting to look at and explore. And as a guy, the best advice I can give you is don't be a teenage guy and be like, oh, like, you know, make fun of it or the natural reaction when somebody shares something that you don't know about or you're weirded out about is to sort of put them down. And that's what we have to fight. So what I always say is you can say, wow, that's interesting. Or that is making me feel different. You know, like I'm not sure how to react again, honesty instead of lying or instead of putting people down. And when you get to that point, when somebody says, you know, Oh, I really want to, and, and you're right about the really basic kinks. I mean, they're like four, five that are the main ones that people think are, you know, the end and, and really it's not, but so you, I want to be tied up or, and they're waiting, they've thrown this out and they're waiting for the other person to, to slash back and say, no, that's weird. Or how could you, if as a couple, you guys promise to open up about it and you both are trying that ping pong or that volley will subside. And all of a sudden you'll just come together and be like, oh, okay, you want to try something different. Like an extreme example of that was, and because I really love um, sort of exploring sexuality now, that's something that I've really gotten into. With um, my partner, I had expressed to him how it's so unsafe for a woman. I can't just go online and find a random person to have sex with. And, you know, from Craigslist or whatever, like that's really just not acceptable behavior. And I'm not dumb. That's part of being smart in your sexual behavior. So I said to him, I'm like, you know, that's just something I've never been able to do or wouldn't, would be able to do. And he selflessly said, Oh, well, I can do that for you. I can look through those. I can vet people. I can be here and be in that situation to ensure your safety. And one of the most selfless acts I've ever seen was him setting all that up for me to have an experience with somebody where I was 
had a hood on, so my identity was secret. But they came in and I gave them a blowjob and then they left. And he didn't get touched, I didn't get touched. It was just that guy. And I didn't see the guy ever at any point in it. And to me, it was so giving to for him to not only not freak out about me saying, oh, I want to give another guy a blowjob, because most guys, most guys would just get really upset about that. But to go to the lengths of, you know, making it fun, like, oh, I've got this list of guys, I've vetted them all, you know, I've got the top three, you know, it, it, it's again, like, that could have been a cheating situation if somebody wasn't comfortable talking about it. And instead, it became a fun, thrilling situation for a couple to do together. Mm-hmm. And that is a very extreme example. But for instance, how would I um, say to most men, well, you got to be okay with me finding, you know, guys to give blowjobs to <laughs> random guys. Like most guys can't even, that's, they're not even going to fathom that. But I'm not saying that you have to. I'm saying that from seeing a man being able to do that, and the, that was a truly selfless gift. Like it, it was tr- because I wanted to experience something like that. He set it up for that to happen. And the the reward for him was my happiness, right? And that as a couple was the whole point again. So it it's again about being a couple, talking about what you want, that it can be as simple as, you know, I like having sex with the lights on, not the lights off. And some people have just, thought the lights are off. That's y'all would have the lights off. Or um, there's a lot of women that are trained to moan from porn. It's very, of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? I mean, that's the only example really that they have of sex. And so um, that that's just standard. And the other main thing that like the the key that I always say to couples that will really save them is that coming is not the end of a, a sexual encounter, nor does it have to be a, a standard like expectation. So the reason that's important is because a lot of women you'll find are like, are you done yet? Like, have you, are you not, have you finished or, and they're trying to like speed things along and the guy is, you know, doing his thing and maybe he doesn't, can't get there that, that time or he's thinking about something else or he just had a shower and he had already jacked off in the shower and he's like, shit, I don't, you know, what's going on. Well, when you have an open communication, you can just say, yeah, I want to fuck you right now. That's great. We'll have sex. And then, you know, we're, um, I, I only got five minutes, you know, I can't finish or whatever. And it's fine. And you don't feel bad as a woman. I used to feel bad. I'd be like, Oh my God, he didn't come. Did I not do my job properly? And then I learned, Hey, that's not really a, a, a good benchmark to set because it, it's so, you know, subjective like it, somebody can come you know, I've, girls fake it all the time well I've heard of guys faking it too right and to me the thought there is like oh how sad both people felt they had to fake it they're lying there faking being happy <laughs> instead of just saying I don't want to f- 
finish. I don't want to tonight. That was enough, you know? And the same goes for a guy when he, when they're in a sexual situation and the girl wants to keep going, but he can't. Toys are great for that. And to have a guy that's confident enough to say like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm tired right now, but I'm going to grab this dildo and play with you. Or that is, you know, pretty freeing for a woman. She's like, wow, it's now it's all about me. Like he's not even, again, not having him be touched at all, but him still thinking and going, oh, I'm going to play with her. I'm still going to, you know, continue this if she wants to. And it's not about if I come or not. And I think, so removing that from the equation and just saying, okay, sex is this, you know, adult activity that you can start when you want and you can stop when you want and you, there's no mandatory minimum <laughs> to what you need to do. Like I've, you know, for a long time, um, woken up in the morning and done a little blowjob for my man. And he, it's not that he's going to finish. That's not the point. The point is a little bit's better than nothing. Certainly starts your day off better than not. And just that um, can really, you know, strengthen a relationship. And so a lot of women might be thinking, oh, that sounds like a lot of work or that's a lot of sex happening or whatever. But you like it. Like, that's the difference is that you want to do it. And so it's not something that you're, you know, n not looking forward to. And it's also not something that he's nagging you for anymore because it's a discussion. It's not a one-sided, can I have this? Or, you know, there's, it's just changes the dynamic completely. And I honestly have now tried to impart to other people, like this honesty flows through your whole relationship and it makes a lot of, and it, it make, makes fighting really difficult because you're really good at talking about hard stuff. And so you, you don't tend to yell about it. You tend to just lay out what's going on and figure it out. And some couples do that differently. I mean, writing down for people that are really ashamed, I find is a really good idea. So if you had like a book that you both share, secret little book, the secret little black book or whatever and if you have an idea that it's something that you want to do but you can't even verbalize it well you can write that down in that book and you know we can read it together you can read it on your own if you don't you know what I mean like there's ways of it's just like in high school passing notes you know these are all things that nobody's been taught how to do sex education is so lacking and it's not education. It's like an anatomical sort of overview of how people get pregnant. That's really what sex education is. And that's important. Absolutely. But um, the real sex education, most people don't have. And, and it's, it's impacting their relationship all the way through. All the way through. Yeah, you know? I, I taught sex ed or I helped facilitate sex ed in a school for many years. And one of the things that I ran into was the students, when they were self-directing their education, they wanted to talk about STIs. They wanted to talk about anatomy, but they also wanted to talk about decision-making and how to see themselves sexually and what's, what's okay. And, you know, they wanted to, that was really what was mainly on their mind was, 
When do I have sex? How do I have sex? How do I say no? Who do I have sex with? How long do you wait? And these are important questions that they're debating all the time. And I actually managed to get that uh, type of education or discussion going. And the kids really liked it. But and the te- and the, so there are different groups. There were the kids, there mm-hmm. were the teachers, and there were the parents, all of whom I was in contact with. Occasionally, I'd get a parent who was uptight and worried, but I was able usually to calm them down. It wasn't the parents who were a, a problem. It was the teachers. The teachers. I know. <laughs> oh, no, I know. It's honestly liability concerns. They're really worried about being seen talking sexually with minors. Yeah. That's that's the gist of it. And that's really where I I agree. Like, I get it. You can't. Like, having those conversations is difficult on an adult because guess what? The majority of those teachers, they don't have my kind of relationship at home where they're sitting openly talking about sex. A lot of them are also struggling. They've never been taught real sex ed either. And so you have a teacher up there who is has a book that explains the curriculum of sex ed. And they can teach that. Now, you have a question where a girl says, well, how slutty is slutty? Or, you know, what makes me a slut? Or a guy who says, you know... Um, well, what, you know, why can't I, um, you know, ask and ask and ask and force? And, you know, my, you know, I've always, you had to go hard, you know, they're never going to give up. Like, there's all these discussions that you have to have that are difficult. Like, for instance, porn. You can't really probably show porn, active porn in class. I used to love telling parents because I used to run a mommy group and, uh, and I was the youngest mom, of course. So I'd just come out of this high school thing anyways and had a baby. But I used to say to the parents, like, you know that the average kid at the age of 10 has watched hardcore anal sex on their own. And that's true. And the, the, what you have to do there and what I've done, I have a daughter who's 12. And so I have spoken with her and her friends. I basically had to take their sex education into my my own hands, not showing them porn, obviously, but explaining to them that porn isn't real, that it's acting, that it, um, you know, that they, that, that they can't look at that as, um, what real sex is but that it's fun to look at as adults. And it's like the movies, I said. I mean, honestly, it really is. It's entertainment based upon adult situations. But I'll tell you from experience, I've, I've tried to do some of the things that are in porn videos. Like, ex- I've been like, okay, let me just see if we can actually get there. And it is not as simple nor as um, smooth as editing in the porn industry would have you believe. I, um, I had a sex education that included a banana uh, that we put a condom on. Um, there was a boy who asked a question about somebody putting a pencil in their bum. And again, like this is things we don't talk about. So of course, kids are gonna want to experiment that way, and adults too, right? Men and women want to experiment putting things inside of them. That's just sort of the way it goes, <laughs> and and that you have to be safe about. I, I can't tell you the horror stories I've read about online about glass items and different things. Like again, that seems to me like a really basic explanation, but yet. I remember what I was like as a kid. 
And I remember that sort of one-mindedness to whatever. So I would love to see a sex education program that was sort of risque enough and informative enough that the kids truly were getting something out of it. Like, I think you will be able to measure um, the, like, our rates of sexual assault are extremely high right now. Do you know, like, they are out of control high right now. And that has to be a result of something. So, you know, they used to say, well, no sex ed is not worse, or is, at least something is better than nothing. Well, you know, I worry that perhaps the nothing that people were getting was actually a more aggressive, like, (laughs) real talk, maybe, um, sometimes. And that's not all the time, but sometimes. And I worry, especially of parents with boys, about how to talk to a boy about porn and how to explain that women and men both can be sexual objects, but only when they agree to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, it's so hard to explain to them that the level of trust to be built up to do what's in the movies is, is hard to build. And once you've built it, you're great. You can do lots of different things. The, the people in porn, um, you know, and I guess technically camming is porn in a way. It's an exchange for, you know. Can you explain um, to the listeners what camming is if they don't know? So camming, what um, there's different websites all out there. And basically it's live um, video chats. And uh, most of them are free to go into. And then people can tip different coins if they want. And then if they want, they can actually pay to take you into a more private room. Now, I cammed for quite a while very rarely was I naked or was I doing sexual things on on cam uh that's not what people are looking for you can find any kind of porn that you want on the internet right now you type it in you can find it so that begs the question well why then are people going on these live sites and paying money or spending time to you know see somebody right away well the reason is they want a connection they want, um, you know, conversation. They, they don't want porn. They can get that. The, they want to see the people that, uh, you know, they want to see them in real life. And so I had a very big camming following for the most part. And I cleaned my kitchen a lot. I spent a lot of time cooking. I um, would oftentimes do little trivia days and just hang out and so, have so they fun. Would, they would pay by the minute for those things? No, no, oh. that's all free. Oh, okay. So your room is free and anybody can come in and sit in the room and chat in the chat room, like along the side, at, like a, almost like a Facebook live stream or like a YouTube live where there's a live chat going. Okay. And, but people can pay to chat and have it bigger or um, there's usually a tip menu that you set up. So your tip menu usually includes, it can include sexual things, but it, for me, it included like change the song on the radio or, um, spanks. Like I had different paddles and different things like that. Cause I love those kinds of things anyways. And so I would, you know, you want to roll the dice and, and how many spanks you get, you can pay to do that. But for the most part, 
you're not getting paid by the minute um, and you're engaging with hundreds of people at the same time. There's probably hundreds in the room and there might be five or six main people that are actually tipping you, that are tipping you to, to do whatever. But like I said, most of those people aren't tipping you to, to do sexual things. They're tipping you because like, they're regulars, if you will. You know, they come in every day. You're like, oh, hi, how are you? Did you buy that car that you were telling me about? And that to them is like, I mean, she remembered me. She remembered my, that I was doing that. Like, that is what they're there for. And so, like, for instance, I had a spreadsheet. And I would keep track of people as they came in, what their tips were, what their little notes were. And it may sound, I mean, it may sound a little bit, harsh but the reality was is that that meant something to them so when I saw them come in and they sent a tip and I could remember that you know a month ago they got a new puppy like how's the puppy like mind blown and that is what they are hoping for so most of those people then it's really turns into counseling almost so it's really about my wife won't ever have sex with me or I am on this website all the time, you know, or I, and why are they here? Or the majority of the time, so I'm, I'm a pretty tough love kind of lady. So they'd be there and I'd be like, well, you have a, a homework assignment then tonight. So what you're going to do, like, there's usually three problems that are plaguing a relationship and it's sex. It is, uh, or sorry, it's kids cleaning and uh, sex. So you have to figure out what, what the guy's problem is usually the sex. The, the woman's problem is usually the other two. And so I used to say, I would say, okay, so she won't have sex with you. She's upset. What's, what's going on? Do you uh, have kids? No? Okay, great. Get a house cleaner. Okay. Go and get a house cleaner to come in every two weeks as a gift to her. Buy a year's worth. Okay. And go to her and just say, don't ask for sex. First of all, that's the key. You just go and say, by the way, honey, I just thought, you know what? You do so much. I want to help you out. This lady's going to come in and do the heavy duty cleaning or whatever it is. And that leave it, just leave it. And then wait a week or two and watch how the stress level comes off. The realization that you care comes in. Um, the, in the same thing, he, I always say, you need to find three positive compliments that you're going to be giving her every single day and they're changing every day and you need to find them and work on them and don't expect anything back don't make it about sex find them and give them and and i'm like and 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 be honest like do it and be honest or don't do it and be honest but if it doesn't work tell me because i'd like to know because for the most part when i explained and if a guy goes and i've had guys go and get that house cleaner or get a nanny like been like i'm like you have three kids under five and she's tired yeah i don't doubt it you know go get a nanny watch what happens when you show that you care about that and i always explain to people i'm like so cheap Think about the amount of money you're saving in terms of relationship stress when you don't clean, can't worry about who cleans the toilet, when you don't fight about that. That just eliminates that fight. And so now you can work on other stuff. And so those are for people that are already pretty deep in relationships, right? When at the beginning, when you get started, you can talk about those things ahead of time and, and learn about them as soon as the stress starts to creep in. So it's not going to be a huge shock, but it's going to be something that you deal with 
at the moment, like, whoa, I have been doing all the cleaning and I'm feeling a bit like you don't even care. Like how, you know, where do we go from here? When you have a good communication going already, you're not afraid to have those discussions because you know it's not going to leave me because I say I, I'm tired of this. And you also know it's not going to turn into a fight because you guys figure things out. So you say, oh, okay, well, what can we do? I could either help more cleaning, we can get somebody else to help with the cleaning, or you do it yourself all alone. Well, that one goes out. And I don't want to help, so I guess we have to hire somebody, or I'm going to help. I mean, like, you can really, if you follow things to the logical end, um, you, you can really solve a lot of people's problems and eliminate a lot of stress points. Now, of course, not everyone has money to do that, but that, then there was the option of you stepping up, right? Like, energy is money. Time is the, is the most valuable thing we have that we can never get back. And when you give people your time that is you know a gift so um you have to appreciate that and when i was spending time with guys in cam rooms you know and them sitting there watching me make dinner for my family and me make dinner and get things ready and then explaining i'm not special i'm not i'm you know there's nothing uniquely amazing about me except that i'm willing to be open and communicative and that's because I have a partner who I can trust because he's done the same with me. And so even though we, you know, have maybe sexual experiences that people would say, oh, like that's like crazy or that's cheating or that's this or that's that. Ah, not for us. You know, we're, we're really in a, in a good place that way. However, it's all throughout the relationship that it, it can carry through. And that's what's really important is recognizing that the beginning it on a good level will create this amazing base for your relationship. It's wide. You know, the longer that you work on laying that lovely foundation of trust and care, the, the better. And as a guy, you're entitled to that too. You're entitled to somebody caring and worrying and thinking about what your feelings are and not just putting you down or making you feel ashamed that you watch porn or that you are, you know, into feet or that you, you know, are, um, like there, it's not, it's incumbent upon a, whim, a woman too, to make sure that she changes her attitude or begins with the right attitude. We don't all the time. And a lot of the time that's because we've been badgered a lot for sex. Every woman that I know has been complete, like when you say, how do we say no? Like a lot of women know how to say no. They know, not even just with your partner, an intimate partner, but imagine like out on the street or out in a bar back before Corona, obviously. Um, you know, there's those situations. And as a woman, I think, it sometimes gets hard when no doesn't mean no. Like when you have to say it 42 times and then you have to be like, hey, like get real mad about it. Um, I, I don't drink, so that's important because I always sort of have my wits about me in that sense. And, and that's the other thing I say to people. I'm like, you know, I do all those things. I do sober. Imagine that. Like <laughs> Most people can't even imagine doing them drunk, but I'm in in. Like I like those situations that's sort of like my drug in a way, like experiencing those, you know, um, 
kinky situations or whatever, but I, I'm definitely never drunk when I'm doing that because it's, you have to be with it really, you know, and with kids and explaining to them like, you know, I've never wanted to see my partner's phone. I don't, I don't want to, it's not my business. And I've never felt the need to show off my part, my phone to a partner. However, I know that both of us have naked pictures on our phones. That's just standard. And what, how we make that okay is that we like to send them to each other. You know, pictures of other people that you find online, that, you know, an artistic shot of this rope or, you know, look at that position or, you know, we keep it fresh by looking at those things and sending them to each other. And there's no animosity about you were looking at that page or doing that. Like you have to get past that to be able to allow for some, you know, back and forth between a couple static images are a good way to start. A lot of the times like guys send dick pics, really nobody wants to see the, the dick. That's nobody's interested in it. So I always say, <laughs> I used to say to guys like, you know, the longer you hold off on sending a dick pic, the more likely you are to get sex. It's the truth of the matter because if a girl asks for it, by all means, please send it. But I'm going to get, I'm going to tell you most of them are never going to ask. It's just not what they're interested in. Now, that being said, like the pictures that me and my partner would send are sending are mostly of women. I like to look at women. He likes to look at women. So that works great for us. You know, um, I think it would be silly if I was trying to make him find, like he thought he had to go find all these dick pics to send me just cause I'm a woman. Like that's definitely not, you know, not the need. Um, the other thing that sending pictures of other people between you can do is relieve some of that like pressure of having to take pictures of yourself all the time that are really good because it, as a lot of women will tell you, it takes a lot to like get a nice looking selfie. And then if you're naked, you got nothing else to like hide all your, you know, what we normally use to, to make ourselves look good in our eyes. And so, um, I'm not against nude pictures. Obviously I, I think it's hilarious when people are shocked that they have naked pictures of themselves or their partners on their phone. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not shocked at all about that. But, um, I think that obviously keeping them private, if that's what you want, is important. But mostly that um, it can drive you to want to be good. Like, for instance, I used to um, try and take a picture every single day to send to my partner in the morning um, after I got to work. So I was all nice and dressed up and I looked really pretty and I would go to the bathroom and take a really nice picture, send it to him. And the thing about that for me is that in the morning I would wake up and think, Oh, what am I going to wear to make myself look pretty today for that picture? You know, and it drove me to be more caring of myself and, um, more thoughtful of those things. And it barely took anything out of me to do it. Right. And also he was able to, he would often flip back to them. I loved the way you looked in this picture. Oh, you're so beautiful here. You know, there's so many ways that you can then use those in a nice, happy way. I used to call that daily devotion. So a daily devotion, but that can go both ways. That's the same as the compliment coming. So it's not that we want to see a dick pic. It's that we want to see effort, 
right? The effort was made on our end by taking a beautiful picture. So the effort on your end might be, you know, finding that movie that you, that they wanted to watch and setting it up to watch later or, um, you know, just little things. Women tend to be a lot easier to please in a really small way. Um, and then again, it, it comes down to acknowledgement on both sides. So if you've started doing this at the very beginning, you're not going to have a tit for tat tally chart. <laughs> you don't, you just have, a, a, you know, communication. But if you are in a relationship already and you're, you're getting there, you're in your mind, you have a tally chart. You already know who's up and who's down in terms of what's owed in a relationship. And I think that's where a lot of women get stuck up. So they're lying in bed at night and they've just done all the dishes or they've just, you know, put the kids to bed and they've, um, you know, done set up for work tomorrow in their mind, all these different things. And then the guy comes in and instead of, uh, you know, it having already been talked about or whatever, he makes an attempt. She's just like, Oh, he didn't even, he just got home or whatever. And then, you know, shuts it down. And then he goes off to the computer room logs on to chat to me and sits there and a lot of them cry they like the men aren't there sexually that's the thing is like these guys are not coming online to to look at porn and and masturbate for the most part they're coming on for social connection and to talk to a woman who's not going to be mad at them and who will just like almost like you said coddle them or allow them just some some relief of having, it's being able to say what they feel. And I just want that for a lot more people, but it's a really hard way to run a relationship because it means that every single day you are working on your relationship, but that's also how you keep relationships going is that every single day you work on them. And when you do that all the way through the sex part just sort of naturally happens and you can do, I mean, I've done some crazy fun things like lots of them. And I've also, um, had lots of just regular nights at home, you know, where I don't feel like having sex and I don't want to, and that's okay too. So, you know, there's this huge spectrum and what everyone needs to figure out is that we're all on it somewhere. And for the most part, I mean, really, I always try and get people, I'm like, shock me, just shock me. I want you to shock me with your crazy kink because it, to this day, I have not yet been fully shocked. Well, what are um, the common ones? I'm curious that you hear. Feet, which, um, again, I think it's just a hidden sort of taboo thing. Um, the being bound um, tied up is a common one for women and being dominated. A lot of the guys are about being alpha and like dom, but I, and as soon as the word alpha comes up, I'm like red flag, (laughs) like, because guys that are alpha don't call themselves alpha. (laughs) That's just not the way they work. And so, um, it's oftentimes it's as, pure as wanting oh anal anal is a big one that's like a kink i guess that people would call that um being tied up be the um 
Oh, and the spanking. So how people like to be spanked. Well, they think they like to be spanked and then they get spanked and they don't like to be spanked for the most part. So I personally love it. I have, and so, okay. When I, um, when I first got into BDSM and kink, I was challenging myself to go further in my sexuality than my brain would allow me. My brain said, you're being horrible. You need to stop. And I was like, yeah, I know, but I'm going to keep going. So just let me keep going. And so, um, I've, uh, experienced a lot of bondage situations, which I've really enjoyed. And I've done a lot of self-tying bondage. So that's something I do on cam quite a bit. So get the rope together and I'll tie a harness on myself. And it's nothing that like, there's no nothing around the neck or anything like that. It's just a nice, like wear around under your clothes. I've done that lots, gone out downtown with a dress on and rope tied underneath. That's a fun couple activity if you get into it, you know, and nobody knows, you know, what, what's underneath your dress, but you're roped and, um, that's sort of fun, you know? Um, but for, for spanking, um, I've always enjoyed rough sex and I just thought that was sort of just how I liked sex, but a lot of guys got really scared. Um, they just don't, you know, I understand why you know, there's limits for everybody and everyone had them. And of course I've didn't have a great communication back in the day. It was just, you know, sex, how most people do it. So when I met my new partner and we were exploring and going through, um, I was able to actually really experiment with spanking and with, um, crops like whips, crops, paddles, um, floggers, all those different things. And, there's a real skill to, to doing that to somebody to ensure that they're warmed up properly and that they're not getting overly hurt and that you're reading their body language. Um, it does hurt. It it's, that's the point. Like for me, I enjoy being able to take that without making a lot of noise and just internally taking it. And I, used to spank myself on cam quite a bit. And one time I actually broke the wooden paddle on my butt. So I hit hard and I, I enjoy being hit hard. And there's been situations like we've had threesome situations before where another girl's come in and she's like, well, I want to get spanked too. And it's like, okay. And you know, we've both been lined up on, you know, the bed or on the couch getting spanks. And there was one time when he, she said, I want to get the spank the same as her spank. And he spanked her the same as she, he spanked me and she flew off the bed. <laughs> she literally rolled because she wasn't understanding. Like I was, and again, him and I have such an understanding that he was hitting me as hard as like, we didn't need to make a big deal about it. He knew he had to go lighter on her. He knew what he could do with me, all these different things. It was just a little okay, you want to see, then we'll show you what that really is like. But that takes time to build up to. And most people like the bondage aspect of it or a light spanking. And they don't like being like actually beat for the most part. (laughs) So this is all great information that I'm sure is helpful. And the last question I'll ask you, Victoria, is say someone right now is listening and they're thinking, wow, you know, I'm swimming and information and how does this apply to me? 
I feel like there is a frontier that I haven't explored. How do they begin? Well, they begin probably by talking for the most part, either to them, to themselves or to their partner. And, um, you know, like I said, I really think porn is actually the beginning frontier for most people. So to start by sharing what you like to look at and asking somebody else what they like to look at um, can be a really vulnerable place to be without having to like do something other than click something. And so that's actually a really good starting point if you have a relationship where you're already talking a little bit. If you have somebody that's mad at you and you're not, you know, that's going to be difficult. That's not a good place to start. Hey, watch my porn. That's not what they want to hear. But um, for the most part, it's really about discussion. So I really, um, I hope that, uh, like, I would love to talk to you more. I think that really we could dive into it. Like, I have this sort of... um, breakdown that I like to give couples when they start about the communication, identifying the problems, um, and then the sort of what their goals are, short-term and long-term goals, um, and setting those for them. Uh, and then accountability about, um, not being dismissive is really important. So having an open attitude and being really open to it. So when people, you know, when somebody shares something with you, you can't make a face. You can't, um, if you feel funny about it, you say, I feel funny about that. Or if you, you know, don't like that, you can say, you know what, that really, I don't think I like that. I haven't, haven't thought much about it, but I don't like it. And again, it's about being upfront and honest, but you can't make a face. And for women listening, like you have to also if you're trying to get a guy to do this, you have to be willing to say, you know, I'm going to be upfront with you and you're going to be upfront with me and, and be ready for a little difficulty there. Like it's, it is difficult each time to not automatically put your wall back up. We're very used to doing it. We've been taught it from a young age. So I would say the main thing is if you're young and you're starting a new relationship, just start out when you first start, just, just begin by, being very saying, Hey, we need to talk about everything. Like what, you know, our communication style, how do we start that? And that's really the key factor for, for new relationships is starting it on the right foot. So what, you know, what, what are your no words? What is something that really makes you turned off? Like you can really ruin a relationship by calling somebody the wrong thing in the heat of the moment, something that you've never thought was a bad word, but that they have a trigger about. You know, so just being really communicative about what people want and what you are, and again, following through. So saying, I'm going to support you and then supporting them. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So usually people come on the show because they're selfishly trying to plug something, which is a good thing, but you don't seem to be wanting to plug anything at this point. No, not really. I'd love to come back, though. I think we should do a series. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> no, sure. really. I, uh, I, like I said, I've started a blog. I used to do the camming all the time as a full-time gig. Now I, I have a full-time job as well. Uh, but this is a passion of mine, yeah. is teaching people. It's not a, yeah. It really isn't about making money. It's a true passion. I want people to be in better spots. So. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some questions from the listeners yeah. and we can answer them on, on I'd a love to do that. Okay. I'd well, thanks, to do that. thanks for coming on, Victoria. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me.
And everyone out there, please take care of yourself. Victoria, why should people take care of themselves? You know what? If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of somebody else. 